Okay, we are here. Hey, we are ready to go. I hope you're ready to go. There's nothing like sitting around the radio or sitting around your cell phone or your iPad and studying the Word of God. That's what we like to do here at lunchtime. Oh, yeah. Lunchtime edition, New Hope Radio. Thanks for joining me today. Got an announcement to make, too. I'll be reminding you. Uh, beginning February 2nd, we're going to be broadcasting on our YouTube channel, New Hope Radio on YouTube, and we're going off Facebook. Getting off Facebook, and we're going to be on YouTube and, of course, the radio. So, you want to make sure before February 2nd, get over there and and enlist in the New Hope uh, Radio YouTube channel. Go to newhopecc.tv, click media, click New Hope Radio, and then click the microphone. And boom, you'll be a follower and you'll get the notifications and we'll be on YouTube. And we have some reasons for being on YouTube. We can archive our messages, we can do a lot more with it. So uh, that's where we're going to be starting February 2nd. We'll still put up notifications on Facebook, but you're going to have to go to YouTube, not YouTube, to get the program. And we're going to make some changes, do some different things. Hopefully it'll be a enhanced New Hope Radio. And get some friends to listen. You got some people you care about and they don't know Jesus? We're going we're gonna to spend a few months talking about Jesus. A few months. So they're going to really get the message, I'll tell you that. Catherine's asking me, YouTube through New Hope website? Well, it's not the church, YouTube. Let me say it again. You go to the church website, but you click on media, then you click on New Hope Radio, and then you click on the microphone. And that's how you register. That's how you become a follower on YouTube. We'll be putting it out there. I'll put it on Facebook too and try to bring all of our followers over to YouTube. Okay, let me ask you. Have you ever been caught red-handed at doing something wrong? I mean, caught in the act, right? Where the evidence was inescapable? That ever happened to you? You know, the proverbial hand in the cookie jar, so to speak. <laughs> I remember once, I was about, I started my first job, I think I was like 12 or 13 years old. And my cousin had a bakery, older cousin. And um, on Saturdays, I would go on the bread truck and deliver bread with him. And, you know, I'd run to the doors, they'd drop off the bread, collect the money, that kind of thing. And um, they had a pastry chef. And in the back, they had all kinds of stuff up, oh, donuts and pies and cakes. And, and my cousin said, you know, Dave, you can have anything you want. Don't worry about it. Whatever you want, just take it. So that's cool. Thank you. So, you know, my favorite donut was the chocolate-covered, lemon-filled donut. Anybody like that donut? Chocolate-covered, lemon I don't even know if they make them anymore. I haven't had one in years. But that was my favorite donut. And I went in the back of the bakery, and I'm about 12 years old, and there's like three trays of them. I'm like, woo, I struck it rich. Three trays of chocolate-covered, lemon-filled donuts. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have one. I couldn't resist, so, and I could. I could have whatever I wanted. So I grabbed a donut, 
and I'm eating the donut, and I'm like living it up. And then I go out in front, and my cousin says to me, did you have a donut? I said, no. <laughs> he said, there was there chocolate all over your mouth. <laughs> and you know, the dumb thing was, I could have said yes, and he would have said, okay, no big deal. I could have whatever I want. It's caught right-handed. Caught red-handed. So, you know, th that's very humbling when that happens. So we arrived today. We're in the Gospel of John. And we're going to come upon an incident that may not be completely biblically accurate. I mean, we believe it is. But there are some things in the Scriptures that they're there, but we don't know how accurate they really are. Like if you go through the New Testament, especially the Gospels, Sometimes you'll see brackets around passages, and those brackets mean that those scriptures were found in translations, but not the most original translations. So maybe they were added later, but they leave it in there anyway, you know, just in case, okay? So the account we're going to see today is kind of bracketed. So we're not sure if it really happened like it did. Perhaps it did. We're going to treat it like it did. Okay? And um, the basis for this account that we're going to look at today, we're going to see the woman caught in adultery. And the basis is not the sin of adultery. <clears throat> That's not what this is about. It's actually the religious crowd's attempt to trap Jesus. And we're going to see how Jesus turned it all around. Oh, yeah. He can do that. Let me tell you something. You try to t trap Jesus, pfft, he's going to turn it all around. See, people who disliked him, they often tried to cast him in a negative light. And I'm sure you've heard someone say in their defense for rejecting God, you know, well, if God were real or God were caring, there wouldn't be any starving children in the world. Or if God is real, why is there so much suffering in the world? It's always a deflection or a trap. And that's what's happening here with Jesus. So we're going to pick it up in John chapter 8, verse 2. Early in the morning, he came into the temple. And all the people that were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees, uh-oh, they brought a woman caught in adultery and having sent, set her in the center of the court. How embarrassing. And they said to him, Teacher, this woman right here, she's been caught in adultery in the very act. I'm like, really? In the very act? I mean, I don't know. And they said, well, now in the law, Moses commands us to stone such women. What do you say? Actually, they only got the law half right. Because in Deuteronomy 22, verse 22, it says, both of them are to be put to death. Now, and it doesn't say stoned. It says put to death. The man and the woman. So I'm like, huh, oh, where's the guy? Where's the guy? Oh, maybe it was one of them. <laughs> Sometimes the accuser is the guilty one. You know that? Maybe it was one of these guys. He was a guilty one. Who knows? So they said, what do you say? 
And they tried to put Jesus in a no-win situation. If he said no to stone her, he would be... Or if he said to stone her, yeah, man, we're going to follow the law, stone her, he'd be unforgiving. If he said let her go, he'd be transgressing the law. Wow. So Jesus, I'll tell you something, he's smarter than all that. <laughs> he's smarter than everybody. Verse 6 tells us why they did this. They were saying this, oh, testing him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. What's it like to go through life where every time you turn around, somebody's got it in for you? Well, that's Jesus. Always looking for that little thing to accuse him of. You know, like when people hear you speak and they pick out every word, well, you said this and you said that. and all oh, They're just on a fault-finding mission. And that's what people were, on a fault-finding mission. Catherine says, yeah, that's my question too. Probably like, where's the guy? <laughs> he was the accuser. That's what I think. And what does it mean? They, they were looking for grounds to accuse him. They were testing him. Well, you know the word test? It means to prove and to demonstrate. Here it comes, what he's made of. Let's see what this Jesus character is made of. And you know, the tests in our own life are for us to see what we're made of, what's on the inside. You know, when you're tested, what's on the inside will come out. Oh, yeah. And whatever comes out, that'll give you a picture of what's on the inside. All right? You squeeze a tube of toothpaste, what comes out? Toothpaste. Because that's what's inside. What happens when life squeezes you and squeezes me? Well, whatever's inside, that's going to come out. So they're accusing Jesus. They're asking him what to do. You know what Jesus did? He stooped down. And with his finger, he wrote on the ground. He's like ignoring him. And what is it that Jesus wrote on the ground? You know, people have scrutinized this for 2,000 years. And yet all in vain, no one knows. No one knows what he wrote. And no one even knows why he did that. One man remarked that this is the only time it's recorded that Jesus wrote anything, and that which he did write, <laughs> he wrote it in the dust. Dust in the wind. Remember dust in the wind? Who was that? Dust in the wind. Dust in the wind. I forgot the name of that band. I love that band. Okay, so, so this is what this person said. If you know who did dust in the wind, dust in the wind, let me know. He writes, let men learn from here on never to write, but when it is necessary, and then to do it with humility and modesty, and to do it on a principle of charity. Oh, I know who did it. Kansas. Kansas did. Dust. No, not the Eagles. Kansas. Thanks. Doreen got it right. Debbie, good try. Good try. Kansas, that's right. I think... Doreen and I hit it at the same time. So let's make a modern application of Jesus writing in the dust, okay? How can we do that? Here it is. Whatever you write, expect it to be seen by more people than you intended. Be sure that it's edifying. And remember this. It's going to last forever. It's going to last for a long time. Whether you say it on paper whether you say it in a text or in an email, 
I'll tell you, you know, once it's out there, boom, it's out there. And it's out there forever. And by the way, while we're on this topic, after all these years, do you realize people are still texting and driving? I'm like, are you kidding me? Don't do that. Don't do that. I remember walking across the parking lot last summer. And this woman driving a van, not that I'm picking on the ladies, but she almost hit me. And I looked up and she's on her phone texting while she's driving in the parking lot. I'm like, come on. And, you know, then we have these accidents and no one thinks it'll happen to them. Everybody that's texting, no one thinks it will happen to them until it does. So there's a little bonus for you today. Back to our story. When they persisted in asking him, they were these, these guys, they were like relentless. They wouldn't let up on Jesus. They kept asking him and they kept asking him, what do you say? What do you say? Finally, he straightened up and he said to them, Want to know what I say? He who's without sin, you be the first one to throw a stone. Hmm. You the you be the first one. You want to condemn her? Fine. If you have nothing to be condemned for, then go ahead. Have at it. It's a nice big one over there. Grab that one. <laughs> the contemporary English version translation says, "If any of you have never sinned." Then go ahead. Throw the first stone at her. Hmm. Doreen said, we have to own what we write. Can't take it back. Catherine said, amen. That's right. You can't. It's, you know, it, it's like feathers on a doorstep. Once you put them there, they're gone. You can't get them back. Can't chase the feathers down. They're gone. Dust in the wind. Right? Kansas. Okay. So Jesus told them. Who's ever without sin, you cast the first stone. Then you know what he did. He bent over again. Again, he began to write on the ground. Again. I think he's just ignoring them. And look at what happened after he said that. The people left one by one, beginning with the oldest. You know why it began with the oldest? I can think of two reasons. Number one, when you're older, you're supposed to be wiser right? Number two, because <laughs> they were older, they probably had more sense. <laughs> so either one of those would cause them to like slink away. All right. And then finally, Jesus and the woman, they were there alone. And then Jesus stood up again. And you know what he said to her? He said, where is everyone? Isn't there anyone left to accuse you? No, sir, the woman answered. And then Jesus told her, I'm not going to accuse you either. Wow. Wow. I'm not, and Jesus didn't have sin. I'm not going to accuse you either. And you know what he said? You may go now. But don't sin anymore. Don't do that. Don't live in adultery. That's not good. Not good for you. It's not good for him. It's not good for anybody. Now, is this story accurate? Is it really true? Maybe so, maybe not. But is the principle true? I would think so. And don't, you know, don't send me heretical emails saying, oh, I said that things in the Bible didn't happen and they're not true. I try to be as academic as I can. 
And that's all I'm going to say. So it's not about relinquishing sin and its consequences. That's not what this is about. It's not about, hey, you know, you can sin and Jesus will just say, don't worry about it, go ahead. It's not about that at all. You know what it's about? It's about the evil of of condemning others and leading a hypocritical, hypocritical life. That's what this account is about. I think the Lord wants us to see that we can't go through life condemning others because if we do, we're hypocrites because we have our own sin problems, don't we? We certainly do. What did Solomon say? A proud look? A lying tongue? Feet that are swift to mischief? You know, these things, these are abominations to God. You know, we, we think about, you know, adultery and stealing and killing, but what about pride? That's sin. Slander, gossip. They're all sin. We've all done our share. Come on. We've all done our share. And you think about the stone, right? The stone was used to inflict pain. And so much pain that it often led to death. What a way to die. You know, you get a group of people with stones probably the size of a, a softball. Because you got to throw it pretty good, you know. They didn't have these big boulders that they dropped on them. They had a, a rock that they could throw, but it wasn't a little marble. It was a big baseball, softball. And they'd be pelting that person, and, and they'd start, bones would break, and internal organs would be damaged. And then eventually, they would die a slow death. It was awful. Terrible way to die. Doreen said, we're all guilty. And yeah, we all need forgiveness. Definitely. And Catherine said, sad when we hear it in the church. Pride has no place at church. I know, you know, God expects more from his people. How many churches are destroyed from flapping tongues, from condemning Christians? A lot of churches are destroyed because of that. So it's so easy to throw stones at others and forget about the pain that they cause. Just like that literal stone caused phenomenal pain to the person. When we throw harsh words at people, oh, it's painful. That hurts. And it hurts in a place that's even more sensitive than the body. You know where it hurts? In the soul. Oh, heart pain. You know, there is heart pain that people carry all their lives. You know the old saying, we grew up with sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me? Untrue! That's not true. Names are worse than sticks and stones. You can heal from sticks and stones, but names, that can go with you the rest of your life. And people carry it. People carry it all their lives. Stoning not only means physical pain, it also means rejection. We don't like you. We hate you. And now it adds emotional pain. Physical pain and emotional pain. Think of the emotional pain that comes from bullying. And how it's it's even in some cases driven young people to their death. And now with social media, bullying is easy and people that do it are cowards. You know why they're cowards? 
because they, they can run and hide while they do it. That's not right. If you're going to bully somebody, face them so they can pop you. <laughs> Give them a fighting chance, right? That's right. Doreen uh, Catherine said, Lord, help us to pause and think. Not react with hurtful words. Oh, I got a scripture for that. Catherine, don't you worry. It's coming right up. Thank you for that. The effects of harsh words, man, they're devastating. And like I said, they can be lifelong. Here's the scripture to go along with what Catherine said in Romans 15, verse 2. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. What does edification mean? Edification means to build up. It comes from the word okoitomeo. That word means to build a house. Domeo means house. That's where we get the word dome. Oikos means to build. You build a house. So edification is about building up a person. You're building them up. That's edification. That's where Christians should shine. We should shine in the field of edifying others. And as a matter of fact, it's fun to do that. It's enjoyable. Doreen said, we can heal from physical pain, but emotional pain, we carry it all our lives. Hard to get over. That's I'm in total agreement. Hard to get over. And you know what happens? People do things to dull the pain. You know what they do? They hurt themselves. They'll start taking drugs and start drinking and doing all kinds of things. Comf- even, even comfort food. People go to food to dull the pain of being hurt by the words of others. Oh, words are powerful. They're very, you know, they're very powerful. You think about the Word of God. The Word of God is powerful, but it's a word, isn't it? Our words are powerful, too. If you want to isolate anybody's sin, then we're all worthy of stoning. Because we're all guilty. And what would that look like? That would look like a bloodbath. You know that? If everybody that deserved stoning was stoned, it would be a bloodbath. Here's a better picture. Ephesians 4.29 Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. There's that word again, building up according to the need of the moment. So that it will give, I like this part, grace to those who hear. Grace. You know what grace does? Grace keeps us going. Grace says, don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. God gives us grace, right? And what's he saying? Keep going. And when we speak graceful words, we're helping people to keep on keeping on. Catherine said, the truth will set us free. That's right. Didn't Jesus say that? If you continue in my word, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if we're going to exchange words, isn't it better to exchange words that build up rather than words that tear down? Because there is a difference between people in the world and people in the kingdom. People in the kingdom, that's a sport. Speaking words that tear down. That's all they know what to do. I mean, people in the world. That's all they know. 
But people in the kingdom, no, no, no. We're a different creation. We're a different creature. We're different. So we think differently. We speak differently. Doreen said, Lord, please place a God over my mouth. Did you mean my mouth or her mouth or everybody's mouth? We need to guard our hearts. You know why we got our heart? Because out of the heart comes the words. Whatever's inside the heart will come out through the words. So when next time you read the story of the woman caught in adultery, look at it's not about the sin. It's about the self-righteousness of people condemning those that were caught. Because let's face it, the difference between many of us and those that are paying some kind of penalty for their sin is they got caught and we didn't. That's the difference. Many things I did, I didn't get caught. And if I did, who knows if I'd even be here today. Who knows? Only God knows. So, in a sense, you know, there's not a lot of difference. Go back to the Garden of Eden when the fall took place. That's where it all began. And in the fall, we all inherited a sin nature. And that sin nature gives us a propensity to sin. Doreen said, I mean my mouth. So when I read it, my mouth. So it's about placing a God over my mouth. Unless she's talking about her mouth. But when I read it, place a God, Lord, over my mouth. Well, there's probably some truth to that, I'm sure. (laughs) But I know what you're saying, Doreen. Now, tomorrow when we come back, Jesus is going to meet somebody that really needs him. Just like we really need Jesus. And this guy, he can't see. But Jesus isn't going to leave him there. He's going to do something wonderful for him. He's going to give him his sight. Oh, what a beautiful picture that's going to be. Can't wait for that one tomorrow. So join me tomorrow for New Hope Radio. Don't forget, February 2nd, we're off Facebook will be on YouTube, New Hope Radio YouTube channel. All right, tell your friends, get some non-Christians on board because we want to give them the good, the good graces of God and the Word of God and let's hope for their salvation, okay? So we're looking for that. Thank you for coming along. Don't forget about the Hope Club. Join the Hope Club. $3 a week, you'll keep us on the radio and you'll get a devotional every single day in your email box, okay? Have a great day, and I'll see you tomorrow for more.